And we back like we never left. It is Live Zone Sports. I am the one, the only, the legendary Live Zone. And I'm here with my co-host today. I'll let you introduce yourself. What's up, everybody? Mozzie here. So today we have a really special episode for you, and we're going to start off with the NFL season. We're going to talk about the injuries that have happened. So Mozzie, what injuries have been surprising to you this season since it began? Yeah, so a couple injuries that definitely surprised me was definitely the Nick Chubb injury going down. That was a gruesome, gruesome injury. Um, You know, that's going to affect him for the rest of his career. We're gonna. I'm eager to see how he bounces back um, through training, through the season, and the off season to get his um, ACL back to the standard that he has. Uh, that was a. That was. I don't know if you saw the video, but that was just. That made me cringe. Another <laughs> everybody that I saw, everybody saw the video. Yeah, bad, bad, and that's a. Bad. That's an injury that. I could see him not ever being the same player that he was from that injury, but it's all about uh, the doctors he has on his team, the training staff, and his recovery and how much effort he puts into it. Another, That's true. Yeah, I definitely agree. Another injury um, that is kind of upsetting and shocking is uh, Williams out of uh, L.A. That's another one done for the season, yep. similar injury. Not as gruesome, but I was really looking forward to him having a great year again. Um, and, you know, it gets cut short. A lot of big injuries. And I think you're forgetting the main one that has happened this season. I'm going to bring out two big ones that happened this season already. We have Derek Carr that ended up getting hurt last or last week and it ended up impacting the Saints completely because the Saints ended up losing that game because they didn't have their leader in Derek Carr. That that hurts for New Orleans Saints team that is relying on what Derek Carr can bring to the table. And then, you know, the biggest injury of the season, I think, so far, yes, we have had Nick Chubb that's very close, but I think Aaron Rodgers having that injury impacted their whole season because honestly, if they had Aaron Rodgers in a few close games, they probably would have won, including the one against the Patriots last week. So for me, it's these injuries are impacting the season 110%. And we also had little injuries in week three talking about like Calvin Ridley as well, that ended up coming back the second half thankfully for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but that's another small injury that has also happened. I want to note, are we looking at this season as one of the biggest injury seasons in the NFL, or are we looking at it as big player injury season, and we're not like utilizing all the injuries that have happened in the past. What 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 do you what do you think? Like, do you think this is going to go down as one of the most mixed up season in NFL history because of the injuries? So on that subject, I just want to table it for one sec and touch on the Derek Carr and the Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the Derek Carr injury, as yep. well as the Aaron Rodgers injury, I. Personally, uh, going into the season, 
Derek Carr has had multiple injuries every single year. That's nothing new to me, Derek Carr going down for a few weeks. The Aaron Rodgers, on the other hand, um, as well, I thought something along these lines would happen because the Jets put all their marbles into one basket. And usually when you do that, uh, you get bit. So was I surprised by those? Yeah. No. But were they the most impactful so far besides Nick Chubb? Yes. And another one I want to touch on real quick is Jimmy G. But then again, that's nothing new. Every year it seems to be that he goes out with something at some point and he can never stay healthy. Now back to your original question. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Yeah, yeah. So back to your original question of uh, is it a big injury season? You know, I believe in the sense that the players that are going down have such large roles on their teams. Yes, I believe we're in for a large injury season. Teams are built to win right now. And when a piece goes down on a win right now team, there's not really anybody ready to step up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I completely agree with you. And, you know, another injury that we didn't even talk about was the Aaron Jones injury on the Green Bay Packers that is also significant towards their team. But it's looking like people are stepping up on Green Bay because Green Bay is now 3-0. and So, I mean, is it... Are we looking at this as, uh, oh, no, teams are in trouble? Or are we looking at this as, all right, well, next guy needs to step up? And in certain cases, I say that we're looking at it as next guy steps up because of the Aaron Jones situation, the Jimmy Garoppolo situation, the Kyler Murray situation, right? There's there's going to be teams that step up and have these players that are ready, but you know, having your starters ready to go at the beginning of the season, you think that should be an automatic for, you know, a team that's, like you said, in win-now mode. So do you think that this is because the players weren't in the best shape that they could have been and completely ready for the season? Or do you think that it was just, oh, it's the luck of the draw with the injuries? I always feel like it's the luck of the draw with the injuries, but... Here's the thing. In a situation with Green Bay, they not necess- every team has aspirations of winning the Super Bowl, correct, going into the season. Now, the thing with Green Bay is not everybody was too high on Green Bay to make a deep run or be a contender, really. Maybe just a squeaking into the playoffs, maybe have an upset here and there. So they're, a, they're not building to build a standout team like San Francisco is, but all their players have the same abilities on their team. They're more well-rounded of a team to plug in place and replace the players in their system. Whereas in a Jets situation, your next man up is somebody that you know can't bring you to the promised lands. So, So, I mean... For me, it's looking like half and half. I mean, all right, so for me, I think I think that the luck of the draw for this situation, I think that was uh I think that was based off of like Aaron Jones and stuff like that, Jimmy Garoppolo, because I think those players were ready to go. I think that they were one hundred ten percent ready and then after that their body just gave out on them. Same with Nick Chubb. But for like 
players like Derek Carr, for players like Aaron Rodgers, can we look at them and say, yeah, you were in the best shape of your life for this season that you were going to be needed to carry your team? I just don't, I, I see that as they were not prepared for the season. As far as I'm concerned in the Aaron Rodgers debate, I never think he's truly ready for a season. I think he his mind is always on uh, the money in his personal life as well. Um, once he gets some adversity and put against the wall, he tends to show up on the football field. So in that aspect, I don't necessarily think he was not physically fit and ready to do his job but I don't know if he was mentally ready to do his job in this sense of Derek Carr I believe he was ready to go on the season was fully healthy and he just he through his career like a Jimmy Garoppolo, has just experienced injuries left and right over and over. And once you're injury prone, they always come back. But heading over to the second point of the extra point, uh, we're going to be talking about what teams we think are the most impressive so far. So, Mozzie, what teams do you think in the NFL have proven the most so far this season? Absolutely. So uh, I have four teams on my board that I am uh, very impressed by this season. So first off, I'd like to start talking about Detroit and Pittsburgh. Okay, Uh, two gritty teams that know how to win tight games that are built behind strong fan bases and strong coaching. Um, The Steelers are back to the defense of old with the terrible towels with Mike Tomlin leading that charge. Uh, And Detroit has just all the hype going for them. Their coach is firing on all cylinders with their defense and offense, playing in harmony. Um, And like I said, they're built to win tight games. I see all their games going down to the wire, and majority of them, I see them coming out victorious in those. The other two teams that I'm finding very intriguing are the Miami Dolphins and the Seattle Seahawks. Now, the Miami Dolphins just put up 70 points uh, on a on a very, very struggling Broncos team. But I don't think it was just because that team is having its issues. The Dolphins' offense is out of control. I've said it before. They're running around like it's a flag football game and getting open whenever they want to. They've got the six fastest speeds in the NFL on their team. Uh, furthering that, their head coach is just different right now. Uh, uh, he is he is doing wonders for that team. I love his personality. I love how open he is. Uh, he's just leaving it all on the field. And when your leader is leaving it all out on the field and willing to back you up at any point and say what needs to be said, you can't ask for anything better than that. Touching on Seattle, I am extremely impressed by the play of Geno Smith. I didn't think Seattle had a chance this year to be putting up more than 20, 25 points a game. Right now, they're up near 28 average for the year. Um, The defense is 
not blowing the games, and the offense is making great comebacks and great strides, and Gino is just putting on a show. I'm thoroughly impressed by those four teams uh, to start the year, and I'm eager to hear what you have. All right, so yeah, I mean, uh, the first thing I want to get to is why the Steelers? The Steelers have won two close games with them both being rival games. They haven't proven anything to us yet. Of course, those games were going to be close. The 49ers destroyed them, wiped them off the field 30-7 to in week one. I don't see how you could put the Green Bay Packers not in your list because the Green Bay Packers are now 3-0 and where they won 38-20 to against the Bears. 20, oh, sorry, they're 2-1, and sorry. They they beat the Bears, they lost to the Falcons, and then they after that they come back and beat the Saints when a team like this that we saw being 0-3 at the beginning of the season is now 2-1. I, I, I put the Green Bay Packers in in this situation where they have been proving to me that Jordan Love, he is legit. This team is legit. And when they can figure out all their injuries, this team is going to be perfectly fine without Aaron Rodgers. Now, as for the Steelers, the Steelers with Kenny Pickett, he's not the quarterback that you guys need. He's 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 a C-plus quarterback at best he's the same situation as mac jones in my own opinion i put the pittsburgh steelers right next to the new england patriots now for my second team that i have i have the miami dolphins and if you know at the beginning of the season i told you personally that i didn't think that miami had what it takes to get the job done and get to the promised land after putting up 70 points on in a game that has all changed for me, and that's without Jalen Waddle. okay? Mostert is doing amazing at the running back position. Tua is doing his job. Waddle and Tyreek are doing phenomenal. If they keep on this pace, this team is going to be destined for the Super Bowl, and nobody sees it coming because of teams like Kansas City, Buffalo. People are still talking about Cincinnati. I, You know, with me... I personally think the two best teams in the AFC right now are the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins, and they're both in the AFC East. Does that make for great competition in the playoffs? 110%. It's going to definitely help the playoffs and all the rivalries that are going to end up happening inside of it. But here's my number one team. All right, The number one team that has proven the most to me right now and proven to me that this team is legit this team is ready to win and this is not the same team that we saw in the 2010s where they were winning seven games at most this is the Detroit Lions okay the Detroit Lions are ready to win now St. Brown doing amazing Josh Reynolds came out of nowhere as a second receiver for St. Brown doing amazing Jared Goff doing his thing and then they have a huge running back core with Jamar Gibbs and they have David Montgomery that has been doing amazing ever since the season started. Jamar Gibbs, he looks like a Marshawn Lynch prodigy. He 
He does not go down, and he's carrying five people with him to the end zone no matter what. It's going to take him five people to get him down on the ground. All right, St. Brown easily averaging 100 yards, and he doesn't even need a touchdown, and they're still winning games. This team is dangerous. This team is destined to win, and the Detroit Lions should be being looked at in the NFC just in case the San Francisco 49ers become injury-prone the way that they did last season. Agreed. Agreed. Touching on the Steelers and the Green Bay situation, I think they're interchangeable um, on the list. Uh, Personally, yes, I believe Green Bay has shown the world that uh, they are not an 0-3 team to start the year. Um, They have Jordan Love is starting to prove himself with that comeback against the New Orleans Saints. Absolutely. Uh, I just have more trust in a sustainable defense than a sustainable offense is what it comes down to. I believe more in the Steelers defense than I do in a Green Bay offense. Um, And that's what it comes down to for me. Mike Tomlin's been in those situations time in, time out. Um, You know, he... He's a fearless leader, and that rubs off on his teams. And they're looking like the Troy Polamalu days, that kind of Steelers defense. I think they can grow into that uh, throughout the season and be a contender and upset a lot of teams that you think should walk right over them. I'm interested to hear your opinion on uh, the Bills-Dolphins game coming up this week. Who who you got? (laughs) It's going to be a shootout. I don't have a winner right now. It could go either way. The Buffalo Bills are looking exactly like the Buffalo Bills of the normal right now, and I don't think that's going to change against Miami. I do think that Miami is going to put up a fight. I think the key word here is Waddle. What are we going to see with Waddle? Is Waddle going to be playing? Is he going to be sitting out next game? What's the word on him? Because I think he's going to be the difference maker. If Miami has Jalen Waddle, this defense and this offense, it's going to be crazy on both sides because both sides are showing that they're the best teams in the in the uh, AFC. So do I think that I have a certain winner right now? I absolutely do not. I could see it being a three-point game, but a high-scoring game. And honestly, we're just going to have to wait and see. So the first couple that I'd like to look at is Reggie Bush and Kim K. They dated back uh, 2007 to 2010. Now, Reggie Bush, for his career, averaged 40 yards per game over his career. And while he dated Kim K in those three seasons, he only averaged 33 yards per game. So a little hit, maybe head was in a different world he had a big distraction going on uh he also played the least amount of games over that three three year period in his career so something to be said by that another one i'd like to look at was tony romo and jessica simpson which happened around the same time 2007 to 2009 yes Tony Romo's completion percentage over that time was the worst of his career. Also, on top of it, his QBR was the worst over his career over then. The only plus side was out of two of those three years, he was able to win an NFC division title two out of three years that year. So you win some, you lose some. The stats (laughs) don't always tell the whole story, you know? Mm -hmm. Then there's... 
one last uh, couple that I wanted to point out, and that's a fairly fairly new power couple, and that's we're hopping over to basketball. It's Carl Anthony Towns and Jordan Woods. So that's 2020 to now. He has averaged playing 51 games over that time while averaging for the rest of his career playing 63 games over the years. His rebounds have also been below average, but he's maintained his average and everything else. So when you bring in these extra extra distractions and whatnot, it does seem to affect players in a negative way. Um, I hope that's not the case for Kelsey and Swift, and uh, I look forward to seeing what comes out of it. Well then, what a presentation that was. I'm surprised you didn't say Ben Simmons in that, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we shall see what happens with Travis Kelsey and the Kansas City Chiefs. Nobody knows what's going to happen with them not having any receivers. Could be a good year, could be a bad year, could be an average year. We shall see. But with that being said, we're going to head over to Dynamics on the Hardwood. So stay tuned for more. And we're back at it like a bad habit. Welcome back. Uh, Live Zone Sports here. Um, today, we're getting a new segment. It's called Dynamics on the Hardwood. We got an interesting topic up for debate on this one today, and that's Dane time. Is he out? Is he staying in Portland? What's happening? What are your thoughts on this? Me, personally, I don't like this for Portland. Portland has been trying to come up come up with a trade for Damian Lillard ever since the end of the last season. You know what? End of the two seasons ago and end of three seasons ago, and they still haven't found a trade for him. At this point, it's looking like Damian Lillard will be out, but at what cost? Because Portland already wasted his career. Portland already took the best years of his career and threw it out the window. Kind of like how the Raptors did to Kyle Lowry. But Miami is interested, just like how they were in Kyle Lowry. Do you think that this is a good move for Miami? I personally think that he will end up in a Miami uniform at the end of this season. What does this change for Jimmy Butler in the Miami Heat? So, I... Do not agree with the fact that he will uh, be leaving Portland. Portland has him really? under contract till 2027. Uh, and I think Portland's just waiting for the perfect trade to happen. And if that perfect trade doesn't come along, they're going to keep their asset. They're going to keep them for as long as they can till they see the trade they want. I am, I am interested to see if he does go to Miami. I think that levels up Miami tremendously. Now, do I know what they're going to give up? They're going to have to give up quite a bit. I remember the old trade talks were uh, Bam out of bio, some draft picks, and Tyler Hero on top of that. So that is a large loss for Miami to give up for another just pure shooter. So Now, it's not known yet what Utah and what Portland would be giving up and the rest of what Miami would be giving up. But there is a three trade, there is a three team trade circling around right now with the Utah Jazz, the Portland Trailblazers, and the Miami Heat. But Utah 
want to get Tyler Hero out of it. So it looks like if you're Miami, you try to keep Bam, you try to keep Jimmy. It looks like everybody else is on the table. So for me, what it's saying is Tyler Hero's out. He'll be a Utah Jazz. Uh, Utah Jazz players, probably such as Jordan Clarkson, a few draft picks from there. And then after that, Miami goes ahead and gets Damian Lillard to make a dream team, basically, with Damian Lillard, uh, Jimmy Butler, and Bam. So, I mean, I see this trade happening. Another trade that has been circling around is a trade with the Toronto Raptors making Damian Lillard a Toronto Raptor. I just don't see Damian Lillard getting traded to Toronto. I see if he's going to go, he's going to go to a big city where he can play the rest of his prime years, such as L.A., such as Boston, such as uh, Miami, such as Philadelphia, something like that on those lines. Absolutely. I I definitely think it will be a three-team trade, if not more. I don't think it'll be just a straight-up two-team trade going on. Um, the reason being, I just don't think one team has enough assets that Portland will accept and that the other team is willing to give up a, a sleeper spot that I was looking at though, that I thought was very interesting. Um, it's not the big city market that you're talking about for Dame, but I think he'd be a great leader on the team. Uh, I know he's done leading with, uh, no names and young people a lot of his career but OKC if Dame Lillard ended up in OKC I could see that being a very very good team in my eyes I don't think that's gonna happen I think I think the I think if Portland was to get rid of what we now know as Damian Lillard and Dame time I feel like they're going to get a star out of it I don't think that OKC is willing to give up Shy Gilgis Alexander. I think that if OKC was to do that trade, they would want to give away all the draft picks that they got from the Clippers. And I don't think Portland is going to accept that because they want a star out of it. So when it comes down to it, it's either going to be a star in his prime or it's going to be a star that is not getting enough focus right now, such as, I don't know if you remember, a few years back, back in like 2017-18 area, Tobias Harris was a star on the LA Clippers. It's going to be like one of those type of people where it's it's going to shake up the league and you're not even going to see it coming. I just see the Miami trade being the trade that works out because Damian Lillard has shown interest in playing in Miami. He wants to go to Miami and he wants to play with Jimmy Butler. I feel like Miami is the perfect landing spot for him. And honestly, if they land him, the league really needs to watch out because you have two of the grittiest players on one team. But with that being said, we also have a New topic as well here for the second part of Dynamics on the Hardwood. We have people on paper. So what teams on paper do you think are the best teams in the NBA at the moment? Yeah, so at the moment, on paper, looking at the rosters, I have two teams that 
I think a lot of people would probably have up here and one that they might not. Um, so my teams are the Phoenix Suns, who on paper should be able to run through the league. You got Gar- you got uh, Durant, Booker. You just added Beal. Uh, you got Aiton, who's still never played to his full potential. Uh, going down the roster, there's at least six to seven players that can change a game. Um Furthering that, I'm looking at the Denver Nuggets again. World champs coming back, same team, same structure. Again, seven players on that team. Gordon, Murray, Jokic, keep going through it. Um, Seven players that could ball out and change the outcome of a game at any given time. Those two are looking very scary. And my sleeper pick, um, and once suspensions are done, is the Memphis Grizzlies. If they can go 500 while while John Morant is gone and stay healthy, I believe they're a playoff team when he comes back, without a question. Now, now are we just saying that because Marcus Smart is one of the best defensive players in the league and low-key a star, just nobody's watching him like that? Or are we saying that because the whole team is ready to go because personally i don't know if the whole team is ready to go i mean they lost a lot of defense i know people are gonna clown me but dylan brooks did play good defense for that team i mean it just adds another question as to all right well when john morant comes back is there going to be problems this is the problem okay the problem with the nba is teams need time to build chemistry, okay? And we haven't seen that in a while. There's been a lot of teams changing a lot of things every single year, okay? The teams that I think are going to do good are, one, the Oklahoma City Thunder. They have not changed a thing this offseason. They have gained off of the draft, but other than that, They are still the same team. And Brennan back, Chet Holmgren, this team is going to look a lot different than what we assume that the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to look like. Another team that I am looking at, I am looking at the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks have been the same team for three years now. Same core. All right, that's that's the name of the game. That's how you build chemistry. That's how you build leadership. That's how everything is built in the NBA. Another team that I am also looking at is the Denver Nuggets. Lost one piece last year. Have your two best players, sorry, three best players, because you also still have Aaron Gordon. This team is destined to win championships, and Jamal Murray is him. Jamal Murray is the guy to go to when you need a quick bucket because he's either going to get that bucket for you or he's going to dish it off to Jokic and Jokic is going to make the right move in a pick and roll. That's the type of basketball that wins championships is when you stick to a team and the team sticks together. That's why I would put the Boston Celtics up here if they still had Marcus Smart. But as we know, Mr. Kristaps Porzingis, you got big shoes to fill, my friend, and it's not going to take just six months to fill them. Yes, we might do good, but when playoffs come, the Celtics need to prove a lot, and that's the problem. 
is when you get a new player, that player has so much pressure on them to build a championship team and build the chemistry around them, when, especially when they're a top 15, 20 player in the league. So for me, what I'm looking at is I'm looking at the teams that have built around their structure, their team, their players for years. And that's how you know what teams are to root for or what teams are destined to win an NBA championship. Do you believe that Milwaukee can stay healthy through the entire year? Chris Middleton, Giannis, uh, everybody on that team. Is Drew Holiday still there, I believe? Uh, If they can all stay healthy, they definitely have have a chance to run it deep. I'm just not too confident that they'll be able to stay healthy the past couple of years. Nobody's been able to – they haven't been able to be on the same floor at the same time. All right, hold on. Before you do that, before you say that, okay, Chris Middleton's injury happened two years ago, and it was just one of those injuries that it took time to get over. That's the problem with Chris Middleton, and that's the really the only injury that was significant towards that team Yes, Chris Middleton was getting back into the motions and everything like that last year in the playoffs, and they were still a scary team and still a dangerous team to go against in the NBA playoffs. That's the type of thing. Once your team builds off a of chemistry and builds off of the same seven players every single year, you're just going to fit right in after an injury. It's not going to be like, all right, well, we need to make a new system based off of a new player. That's the problem with such teams as the Boston Celtics. Teams like the Phoenix Suns, teams like the Golden State Warriors. That's the problem with these teams. It's not because it's not because the players can't coexist. It's just that they haven't had enough time to coexist. So do I think that Milwaukee will stay healthy this year? 110%. They're ready. I think that the Milwaukee Bucks is really the team to beat in the East right now. All right. Well, with that being said, we got a huge Live five list coming to you. You don't want to miss it, especially if you're a New England fan. So stay tuned for more here on Live Zone Sports coming to you. Everybody, welcome back to another Live Zone Sports segment. I am the one, the only, the legendary Live Zone, and I am here with my co-host, Mozzie, and we got a very special Live 5 list here for you, one that really does hit home for both of us because, as you know, we are both New England fans, Um, but... The question of the day, should Bill Belichick retire? Now, I'm not, I'm going to play devil's advocate, I guess. I mean, especially for a lot of New England fans here. I'm going to say yes. All right. Here's the reason why, right? Number one reason, and a lot of people are going to hate me for saying this, but the person that just said, I am a patriot for life. He is the reason why Bill Belichick is in the position that he is in. I don't care what any of you have to say about that. Bill Belichick has not won anything, anything without Tom Brady right next to him. Tom Brady coached the offenses throughout 
offensive lines, throughout wide receivers, throughout everything. He made everything happen. Yes, Bill Belichick was on the defensive side, but look it. Tom Brady retires, and then after that, Bill Belichick can't win in the playoffs or can't can barely make it to the playoffs. All right, that's number one. Number two, he went against what he knew and how to win. All right, Bill Belichick has been great at picking up players that nobody has wanted and making them stars. All right, number one, Wes Welker was going down the pipe hole in Miami, took him, made him the number one receiver until Randy Moss came and was a big part of the offense, if not the biggest part of the offense. Number two, okay, Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman came through as a quarterback, and Bill Belichick said, no, you're going to play wide receiver for me. And then after that, Julian Edelman just becomes a stud out of nowhere, right? Another one that a lot of people are going to disagree with me on, but it's true, Randy Moss was a problem until he got to New England. Say what you want. In Minnesota, he wanted to be traded. Oakland, he wanted to be traded. Even after the Patriots in Tennessee, he wanted to be traded. When he went back to Minnesota, he wanted to be traded back to San Francisco. San Francisco, back to Minnesota. Randy Moss was a problem financially, but... Bill Belichick made it work with Tom Brady and Randy Moss. All right. That's number two. Number three, the draft, the draft picks have amounted to nothing since God, since Dante Hightower and Chandler Jones days. Okay. That's a problem, especially when you're the coach that makes a lower draft pick a star or a stud. Number four, I have Cam Newton. All right, Cam Newton was great. He was phenomenal. But he was injury prone and his shoulder was out of... Basically, he had no arm. So why would you even give the guy a chance knowing that he's out of his prime years? It made no sense to give him what you were giving him. As a backup, sure, but not as the guy of your franchise, and then we head into this. All right. Mac Jones, at the beginning, was your guy. The worst thing that the Patriots could have done was give Bill Belichick a rookie quarterback. He needed a quarterback to win now, and that's honestly why we talk about Mac Jones the way we do is because he has too much pressure on him. And not even just that, now we have this whole thing where it's Mac versus Zappy, and half of your fans want Zappy, and half of your fans want Mac. But the problem is, is none of them are your guy. In five years, it's not going to matter because Bill Belichick cannot work with either of these quarterbacks. So for me, once I see a question like this, Bill Belichick, of course, he is the greatest coach of all time, will go down as the best ever in coaching. But is it time to hang it up? I think so. So I think you made a lot of great points, um, but I respectfully disagree. And here's why. Okay? Now, 
I believe the one true thing that you need to look at in this that maybe you didn't really touch on that much is can Bill Belichick lead the majority of teams to a Super Bowl in today's NFL? With the right personnel and the right quarterback, I believe yes. I believe if you took Bill Belichick off the New England Patriots right now and plugged him in on the top 15 teams in the league, I think they're favorites in winning the Super Bowl just by his presence showing up. Um, Belichick is commanding a middle-of-the-road gritty team led by an immobile young quarterback in Mac Jones. He doesn't know. He's trying to win in today's NFL with an old NFL standard. I believe if you even put somebody of Justin Fields' caliber on that team that's mobile and has a strong arm, they can win in the system, and Belichick can bring them to the promised lands again and again. Um, Does this question ultimately have a lot of variable factors? Yes, but one thing's for certain. The man has had three losing seasons in the past 23 years. Granted, Brady has been there for the majority of those. But also remember the year that Matt, that Brady went down and Matt Castle had to pick it up and they went 11-5 and five and should have made the playoffs that year and should have had a deep run. But by, I think that's the only time in NFL history that an 11-5 team didn't make the playoffs. Um, so furthering that, he's missed the playoffs only five times in the past 23 years and two of them have happened in the past three years with Mac Jones. I don't think it's Belichick as being what needs to be replaced. I think it's the quarterback needs to be replaced and the players need to be looked at better. Along with the Tom Brady situation, yes, he elevated Bill Belichick to the level, but you can't have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich without the jelly and the peanut butter. They got to work together. You know, Brady can make the plays on the field, but end of the day, making Choosing the personnel, Brady's not choosing the personnel. Brady's choosing who he trusts in catching the ball, yes, but Belichick is bringing in the recruits that he believes Brady will succeed with. Um, He's the greatest coach ever in my mind, Uh, and when it comes down to a GOAT, they know when it's time to step away, and they are no longer an asset to their organization. You see it time in and time in again with GOATs, And it's just simple as that. So at the moment, do I think Bill Belichick should retire in 2023? No. Do I think he should maybe explore his options outside of the New England Patriots and go to a win-now team? Yes. All right. I have one disagreement with that, with everything that you said, and that's with the Tom Brady situation. Tom Brady went to a different team, and in that year, and the team, I hate, like, yes, the team had a lot of big names, but most of the big names were washed, okay? Antonio Brown was washed. Gronk was washed. He didn't have any tight end like he did in New England, and he still made it work, when you talk about the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I agree to an extent, but at the same time, Brady wasn't the peanut butter or jelly. Peanut, like Brady was the bread that held it all together. That's what I'm getting at. 
I can understand your argument 100%, and I definitely can see the side of your story. But going back to do I believe it's time for him to hang it up and that he can't win with anybody in this league at all and he's not an asset to any team, uh, that I don't agree with. So I do think he can still win a Super Bowl if he's on the right team and has the right personnel. But with that being said, we will be heading over to the crazy one play of the week. So stay tuned and we'll see you next segment. Let's go. Welcome back to Live Zone Sports. Mozzie here with the living legend, Live Zone. On the other side, we're breaking down the crazy one of the week. Today, we got a video from the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans. Uh, Live Zone, I'm going to let you take it away with some commentary on this. Tell us what we're going to look at here. So this was the sailing game winner for the Houston Texans that nobody saw coming, especially with an elevating Jacksonville Jaguars team. Uh, they were coming back in a game that was tight with no Calvin Ridley. And then after that, they scored a touchdown on the kickoff to go back to Houston. Here we go. The kickoff going to return. All right. We have it. We have it. Oh. Oh, looks like there's a fumble because of a little mix-up. Oh, he gets it back. Jukes out three players. Three players. Stiff arms one of them. There's the kicker right there. Couldn't get to him. The defensive back trying to get to him as well. Nothing. Nobody. End zone. Texans win the game 24-10. to Now, what, Mozzie, with that kickoff, right, what do you see here? What, what was the problem with the Jacksonville Jaguars here? All right, so here on the kickoff, we're, we're watching it happen. We're seeing it kicked off to the left, fumble off the top. I think the real problem here with the Jacksonville Jaguars is everybody collapsed at once onto the right side of the field. Uh, nobody, Everybody left the left side of the field open, and everybody just converged into a mock pile, and nobody could get out of that pile. Left the, the, left, si the left side wide open. Uh, it was an easy run for anybody with any amount of speed at all high-stepping past the last defender, straight on into the end zone. I just think it was a poor play on special teams, and they were trying to converge on the ball and get that ball off the fumble, and it didn't plan out right for them. Yeah, 110%. Everything went wrong here. They went for the fumble. Three guys got juked out by one. It looks like a fullback or tight end on the team the kicker almost had him almost the defensive back almost had him as well but still nobody could bring him down and then after that he runs into the end zone gives houston their first win on the season and then the kickoff happens and boom they win 24 to 10 now extremely extremely bad tackling on the jaguars part two the kicker Going for the legs, missing it. I expect nothing less out of a kicker unless it's Pat McAfee. Um, and now the defensive back that was chasing him down, I don't even know what that effort was. That was yeah. that was he had the angle to cut him down. He did not need to dive right there. Um, it was just poorly played all around by the Jacksonville special teams, and you know it cost him. Yep, it definitely did. And the Jacksonville Jaguars take a loss that they shouldn't have taken. What's next for the Jacksonville Jaguars, especially with uh, Calvin Ridley being 
a little bit injured, a little bit shaken up, not 100%. What does this mean for the team? Well, Jacksonville, you know, a strong team. They, they've they won some gritty games over the past couple years uh, that people didn't expect them to win, but they're also losing games that people expect them to win. And when you don't know who's showing up on the field every Sunday, Monday, Thursday night, whatever, uh, it's very hard to have confidence in a team like that. Uh, I don't think it comes down to one player. I think it comes down to the team playing as a whole and playing down to their competition and up to their competition. Well, we shall see what happens next week for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But with that being said, that has been the first Live Zone Sports in a long while. So give us a shout out. Give us a follow on our social medias. The description will be in the link at the Consumption Net if you want to go and look it up yourself. Um, But with that being said, that has been all. I am the one, the only, the legendary Live Zone and... Adios from me, Mozzie, over here. Um, Leave us your opinions in the comments. Tell us our opinions are wrong. We look forward to whatever you have to say, and I hope you have a great day. Stay tuned for next week.